Hey y'all, my name is Corey and I'm here with my wife Shauna. We are the hosts of the Us First That podcast. Join the conversation. What's up, friends? What's happening? Welcome back to our show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Hi. I feel like I just love sitting across from you like this. I tell people this is my favorite part of the van is that this bench seating because we always are like driving and looking the same way. So now when we get to like record, we're always just like, we're locked in. Yeah, and for I like me, it's it. on the other side of the van. Like, Ooh, when, yeah, even yeah. when I stand in here, I, very, I, I don't try to stand with... I put my back towards the sliding door a lot, even depending, like, if our view is dope. Because we get some good ones from time to time. Yeah, there's a lot of city parks and porta-potties and, you know, bum needle streets. <laughs> yeah, they ain't PCH. <laughs> you know? Speaking of that, remember when someone stole our... Our beach mat at like I don't know nine a.m. on a Sunday. Dang! It was on a Sunday too, it wasn't was. it? Wow! It was they the need Lord's Jesus. Day. You stole and, on the Lord's well, Day. Well, and it sounds Come like you snagged yourself a a really nice, um, well, doormat, beach towel, plastic, you know, nylon roll up beach towel, you know. And at first it, it was like, man, that really, like, what a bummer. But then it was like, wow, that person must have needed that. Yeah. Because it was 9 a.m. on a Sunday, and they were just walking past a vehicle on the side of a highway and just, like, bent over and grabbed something that clearly wasn't theirs. So, like, they they must have something much more necessary in their life for that than what I did because it was sitting outside, you But know. also, like, you know, I sh probably shouldn't have left it outside. You know what I mean? Like, I should have known being in L.A. and where right. we were that that was probably not yeah, but the you, safest thing. you did. So now, like, make sure that mat didn't go in vain, right? So, like, make sure it didn't just, like, go away for nothing. So the story you put behind it now really matters. So that person that stole, right, because it was, it was stealing of property. But how do, how would they know? Maybe it just, like, blew up like Aladdin's magic carpet and settled by our thing. And it was never ours in the first place. And that guy just reached down, grabbed it and he needs it. Yeah. You know, I, that w definitely is not the case. Like this person <laughs> knew it was ours. Freaking Aladdin. But again, like it was sitting outside our van, um, clearly rolled out cause it was kind of dusty and grimy. There was broken glass everywhere. You know, it was, uh, it arguably could have been a wonderful view, and I can only imagine those people pay a lot of money for those houses that overlook all that. But then to be there night after night and watch people come out and smash bottles on the rocks, purposely mm -hmm. throwing them out of their cars to smash them on the rocks, 
you know, they stole. And I, and that's what happens with stories like this is now I use words like they, the person that took the mat wasn't the same person that we watched break glass, but I still used they because it was still my story around the people of that area. Right. But it's much more local than that because the guy that took the mat in my story truly needs it. That is his roof for the night because I could walk through that city, through those parks, through the beautiful beaches, and I could see mats used as roofs. I could see mats used as pillows rolled up. I could see sweatshirts that people were donating in. And really, really nice people would go to those donation boxes in the parks, and they would just set their clothes outside of the donation box. Yep. Right? Other people would go and stuff them in there. Which is fine too. It's fine because like those stores also need a supply. But if but people we were in if, a park with right, with homeless right, people right. living that needed yep. it. And yeah. you could see them go up and like very graciously pull clothes out, set stuff aside that wasn't for them, that wouldn't be of use to them, and then like fold back the other stuff and put them back in the bags. Now this wasn't every dude, but it was a lot of them. And in some of those places, those guys truly take care of the parks and they work with the city workers and they work with the people to make sure they have a safe place to sleep at night. And I, I pretend that my mat is just one of those mats now because like I had a really hard time with being robbed because that's what I felt. Yeah. Like, it's like, yo man, I'm out here living on the side of this highway in the broken glass too. Yeah. And you're going to take from me. Why? Because my shell is pretty. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. come on, man. If you would have asked for water, I would have gave you water. If you would have asked for anything, if I had it, I would have attempted to do my best. But instead, you robbed. You stole. Yeah. And that karma doesn't do any of us any good. So I hope my karma of thinking of it as like one of those dudes that truly needed it. Because those guys rob each other, too. Yeah. And even in that piece of community and society it's the haves and have-nots you know right so they they lean on the same practices that us animals do it we just have different collars on when we do it some are white some are blue and some don't have shirts on yeah so like it's to see it at that capacity yeah, it was really... Uh, wow. I don't know how I twisted off into this okay. wild little spill, but... It needed to be said, apparently. Yeah. Well, I, I think that the houseless issue, yo, it's in, it's impacting everybody. And it's absolutely impacting everybody. And I saw what it looks like when a very, very influential and powerful city just continues to pass the buck on everything. And I'm sure there's some really, really great people in there, but it just seems like they pass the buck and they're they're trying to just keep up this show like they're not trying to see it. You're watching people sweep things under the rug and pretend it's not happening. And then be quote unquote woke. But it's also really easy to not see it happening. I think I think the reason we have the experience, everywhere. we get to have the experience we did because of the way we're living right now that mm. connected us, connects us to that community. It, it does. And, and I think especially when we were in L.A., when we're living in parks and we're using the so then facilities what, and doing the, same, doing the same things as these the same people, like we are in 
the same field. So experiencing the, like you said, the haves and the have nots within like, I'm still having to use the public toilet, right? Like I, we are in the same boat. I'm using their toilet paper. And that experience when you're, when you see this, like you said, this fancy shell that it, it is, con it's very confusing. I felt very confused and conflicted almost the whole time that we were there because I felt so much more connected to the houselessness or homelessness that was happening right. versus, you know, owning a, owning a property up on the hill. Right. Yeah, no, my, sorry. Um, my question is like, then what disconnects us from that community? Like if, if we feel more connected to that, that means there's another, what's the other community apartment? Like what, what other living situation community were we ever a part of that says we're attached now to a homeless community or a houseless? Because we were also meeting people that were making six figures yeah. living in hammocks out of backpacks, pedaling their bikes through the parks at night because they would go to the office for, sure. for 13, 14 hours a day. And that was their life. And then they would get out and they couldn't stand paying all that money. And these guys are ahead of their time. They're living in beautiful weather up in the trees in hammocks off of bikes and backpacks living out of parks, crushing the game. And, you know, they were also a part of, like, they were brushing their teeth in the same public water. And we don't have to do that. Like, we have a bathroom in here. Yeah. And we have water here. So, like, we could disconnect from that. We could not be cho choosing to be in the cities. And a lot of times I don't think we do. And we would, we could be in the cities and not have to use their facilities. But I think it's because we found that using those public facilities is amazing. You see cities in an amazing way. You get to see the populace at a local level that, or a traveler level that knows how to utilize parks. But more times than not, you're watching kids play baseball and softball teams and church groups show up and youth groups show up. Yeah, like you're watching the cool stuff that's happening. It becomes happening. very communal. And, I, right. and that's what I was going to say to answer your question of like, you know, what makes us feel connected to that community. It's definitely there. There is a community there. But also when we lived in our apartments in Nashville, like we were using the communal space. And because of that and because of community events that they did, they created community. Do I believe that those friendships that we had were like super depth and, and, and to the level of friendship I would desire now? Definitely not. And I think that that's also probably not totally the role of of living in an apartment. But with that being oh, said, it's a communal the the community. Yeah. There? Like I, yeah, they right. can build it. But like to what degree? Yeah. That's not their job. Yeah. Or like because they know the young professionals that are living in there. Like it's, a you know, 45 percent transitional space to experience like a party culture in certain cities or yeah. like depending on your neighborhood, there's a, a piece of that culture that's built in. And if it's not like direct community co-living in an apartment, it's definitely away from that farther than closer. Yeah. 
Yeah. If, if that makes sense. Like you, there's, there's only so many like wine and cheese nights that an apartment can, can put on before they realize like people are just here to like kind of sleep. Then they go to work and then they come back and the ones that stay in, I, I don't know. I feel like we really, uh, we created community there, but it wasn't, I think now the depth that I am desiring to have with people and friendships and relationships that I am beginning to go cultivate. Mm. I, I wouldn't say that this is like for old relationships because I believe I need to do some work on some of my old relationships. I think that I have probably not been as good of a friend as I believed that I was in the moment or I b blamed other people for being a certain way when I also was being, you know what I mean? So I think there's some level of those past relationships could use some mending on my part. So I'm that, that is separate from what I'm saying is these new relationships that I'm cultivating. If someone's not willing to go to that depth, then that conversation's probably not going to go very far. And then that's okay. That that's telling me something, but for me, I know I want that. So like an apartment, like if we went into an apartment right now, we probably would be able to cultivate those types of relationships right? because that's what we would be seeking, right? That's the type and that's the behavior and that's the energy we are bringing is right. If I'm living in this apartment building, I'm going to be friends with you or we're going to be friends and we're going to know each other. So we are going with that intention to truly understand someone. So I think it has sort of shifted this like community style of living because we've been in a community in a different way. Like when we lived in Havasu with people in their buses, in their space, you also like were in their space. Like, or their space started like growing outside, you know, and you're using someone's chair and you're using their, their out. I don't know. It just like was a very different connected relationship to community that, that we definitely didn't cultivate in yeah. our apartment living, Ooh, I, um, even though the community was there for us with, and it was accessible. Yeah. Um, for sure. I think the wow what a we're amazing what a i know i was just like trying to think of like what it's like where did this come from where did this come from i know um i know i think a lot of a lot of where we're at now is like experience and time right yeah. and it's not fair for us i don't think it's fair for us to to put a now spin on past experiences because of how much things have changed and how much we've changed and how much kind of work has been done emotionally to go back and like put that on it. Like that's, that's just what I felt hearing that story. I was like, man, like so much time, like what is, how do you cultivate certain things when sometimes it's just time and experience? Right. Or it's exposure. Well, I think that's what I meant and, is I, we weren't seeking yeah. that out in the apartment. And so we weren't getting yes, it. Yes, exactly. And, and that's. But then we would like blame it on the apartment or we'd blame it on the people or yeah. all the neighbors. Yes, yes, are... yes. And, and all I'm saying was trying to say after that is it sounds like you've taken like this con 
conscious observer uh, practice, you know, this viewpoint, this perspective changer, and you've applied it now out of our relationship. Thank you, by the way. My goodness. That's a lens I needed a break from. Because <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. Untangling like that is hard. And if you're going through it and experiencing it and trying, like, cheers. Cheers. It is not easy. Well, and doing it together is another challenge. And then doing yes. it together in a really fucking but small space it, is even crazier. But it, it has forced us to have to look at some of this stuff because otherwise... It was just like this giant elephant. Yeah. I, I follow this. In the whole um, I follow this guy on Instagram and he posts a lot about um, female to male conflict hmm. and how, you know, un unfortunately, so many things have now gotten to the point where we're just not really listening. Um, and it might happen in small pieces, but like there's big cultural things that af that affect entire like city communities um yeah sorry um so this guy was posting who, about who is this guy um do you know so we can shout him i think uh the real verb okay I'd, it's right. like it's yeah right. i just came across one of his videos and okay. quickly hit follow and, and oh, moved on but it was like it was really influential because he said like if you're doing work i read it this way if you're doing personal work to get through the traumas of prior relationships and you're bringing them into a new relationship you can't expect the person that you're in that relationship with to fix the marks that other people gave you yeah and you need to instantly know that and forgive them for whatever else other people did to you entering that relationship or else you're just going to have this self repeating self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because the person that gave you the marks is the only one that can undo them. Right. So we're in this strange situation where we're allowing ourselves to undo our marks mm -hmm. because we can truly look at them, visualize them, conceptualize them in a human across from us and experience forgiveness in a soul to soul connection. Yeah. And it's mind blowing. I had no idea the power that comes with the ability to do that with you until I, I, I watched this guy or I, I read what was going on and man, and it, it was like, wow, I, I was very, very grateful in the moment to be able to like, be able to see that and now <laughs> the conscious observer sounds like you're placing on friend lines yeah you know i think like how i've understood self-work to be is like or at least how i see it is okay if i need to focus first on me like i truly believe that if we are going to make any any changes as a society as a culture if we believe as a couple as a couple yeah but that's not what I'm talking about. Mm. What I'm talking about is on a bigger scale. If mm. we believe and we want different things, it's my belief that the self-work is the foundational work. You truly have to understand yourself. You have to know your emotions. 
becoming the expert of that experience. What happened to you? Why did it happen to you? What did it make you feel? Why do you still feel it? What's happening, right? You're, you're unpacking all of these and emotions. And are you puking it on people? Yeah. yeah. yeah so it, so first it's you. It's not about anyone else. It's about me. Why am I reacting this way? Why am I having this experience? What is it about this experience that's making me this way? Not why is this person projecting their anger on me? Why am I upset that they're angry? Like what, what reaction is their anger causing in me? Mm. Not about their anger. So if you can focus first on the self, then the next piece is going to happen in your very close and intimate relationships. For most people, marriage, a couple, however that, whatever that looks like, that relationship is here to be a reflection of you. So if you're, and, and from my experience with you, we have been a mirror to each other our entire lives. And what's happened over the years is that mirror has gotten darker and darker and darker with our own, our own patterns that have happened in, in that mirroring. So the more we would argue, this is a good example of like the mostly what our arguments about now are about us yelling at each other. <laughs> so, I'm yelling at Corey to stop yelling at me and Corey's yelling at me to stop yelling at him and vice versa. And once that cycles, like then we'll, we'll get on a topic. We'll kind of stay calm and then we start yelling again and then we start fucking literally hating each other about yelling. Don't fucking talk to me like that. Don't speak to me like that. But really what's happening is we are mirroring our, we, we are being the mirror for ourselves. So we're experiencing this, this darkness, this shadow, because we're like literally pounding our heads because we're having the same experience over and over and over again, not seeing that we're mirroring each other, right? Not seeing that we're, we're only fighting about yelling, which we've now recently just realized is, is, is continuing the argument. So now we're trying to focus less on continuing the argument. But it came from first understanding ourselves enough to realize that's what was happening in our most intimate relationships. So now that we have been able to kind of get a grip on that, I feel like then the next thing was like family. Okay, now who's closest to you? How did those relationships impact you? And then after family goes friends, right? Who, who are these people that you've kept in your circle? That, do they belong in your circle? How did they treat you? And how did you maneuver through them? So like there are, there are like these, I want to say phases because that's like how I feel about them is we don't have to be good at all of them right away. They build on each other. They really do build on each other. But if you're in this self-focus and someone in the friend focus doesn't understand that you're in the self focus, then that then that's probably a friend that phase four or five, you're going to be like, hmm, that was interesting how they treated me or how they interpreted me wanting to be by myself. Or, you know what I mean? So like, mm. though, the, it, it all stems like it all stems from the self. But 
you also have to have the experiences of, okay, I'm focusing on me now. What are, what are the people in my environment mm. reacting to from me focusing on me? Because that's also then going to give you information on how those relationships are being carried out in, in your life. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing this as being aware that as we sit here, right? Everything that I do, everything that I mirror, thank you for like, yeah, that, that's exactly what we've been fighting for, <laughs> fighting about before I go on to this. I, it's, it's crummy. It's crummy to know what's happening in front of you and then to see it and to taste it and also feel the emotions about it and also remember that I have a lot of masculine energy in me. And if I'm not exercising that, I am not, I'm not balanced at all. Mm. Um, emotionally, I don't balance well. And I've, I've like recently kind of reintroduced red meat in small portions. Um, we had some beef sticks, like we've had, we've had red meat several times and I've noticed like that a, a different boost in energy it's a different energy with me mm. um and it makes me want to go work out hard and it makes me want to wrestle and fight and and use the ag aggression side of like my emotional control like i felt me using my big voice for like the very first time in a long time when we were arguing yesterday And it was like, where did that come from? Like, I haven't raised my voice like that in a bit. Like, we might fight and argue and, like, bicker, but not like that. That was, like, sustained big noise. And I don't like that at all. Like, it's super disrespectful, for one. And it's embarrassing. And I don't, I, I don't always know where it comes from. It, I get caught up in that emotional snowball, for sure. Yeah, definitely. You know, and, and it's, it's like, easy to do. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. You're not hearing me. Well, but that's like all I'm saying. And I'm pounding on my mirror. Just like, ah, and this leads me to my next point. Now, what I was trying to say before is, are we paying attention to our echoes? We're hearing mm -hmm. our echo refract back and forth and give us feedback now. So we're taking this conscious observer from ourselves work through like our family stuff and our stuff and we're placing it on friends and like slowly you can start seeing like your interactions with strangers and what you said to them just changed their life like this kid that we met in Lake Mead got his car unstuck mm -hmm. he came over and he ended up staying behind us in his car um, he was traveling from Humboldt County um, back east back home he hadn't been home for a year. He'd been kind of just vagabonding the Pacific Northwest. And we hung out with him in Vegas. And Shauna there in, on Lake Mead was celebrating, well, was it 100 days? Yeah. Right? It was 100 days sobriety. Um, so we were stoked. Like, we were having a party. And it was... Having mocktails, I think. Yeah. I can't remember. Like, we, we were celebrating the, the 100 days sobriety um, We with our, our friends... Caitlin and Evan, 
and it was it was amazing and we introduced ourselves and he came we like hey come on over stay by us like you're flying solo you can crash for a night and recently he sent you a message saying he is celebrating six months of sobriety because of how we were celebrating your sobriety we had fake cocktails and like well, we had think... shared a joint and we talked about like the importance of, you know, all, like also like trying to find ways to celebrate like these big things. And what I felt when he'd reached out is like, look at what that echo did. Right. Everything, our mirror, he looked into, you know, something we did changed his trajectory. Well, I think what happened is he, he was probably like right at the hundred mark, but he hadn't counted. He hadn't like, he didn't know how long it had been. So he was calling to message or he was messaging us on six months saying like, noticing that you were celebrating a hundred days, like made me feel like I I think, and I'd have to go back. It's been a while since Mm. I read this message, but I think what he was trying to get at was like, you celebrating that milestone gave me the courage to celebrate, but also like realize that it was something to celebrate. celebrate. And that, that was cool. But also I didn't, I don't know if I like there, I don't know. The celebration is kind of weird. Cause like, I don't, six months was really cool. Like I'm, I'm proud of myself for that. I was proud of myself for a hundred, but I don't, have this like conviction about it like I don't really feel like I'm paying attention to it when you you had drinks the other night and I it didn't really like it didn't bother me that you had drinks it didn't bother me that I was around it I didn't have any interest in having it so like those are more of the moments I'm trying to celebrate yeah than like oh my gosh it's been six months I'm like oh no I didn't even want that that is a celebration Mm -hmm. because there were some comments when we were talking with some people from AA and I can't remember if I mentioned this last time, but like moments that I definitely had as a bartender, like moments of, Oh, I could really use a drink right now. Or, Oh God, I just want a shot right now. Or like these customers like wanted to make me drink and, or I would egg on customers to be like, let's all do shots. (laughs) And then they would pay for it. Like, and that was part of the gig but also part of the fun, part of the experience. And then going to AA and realizing like people are struggling with that desire of wanting a drink like that. I wasn't, I never would have experienced, like I wasn't holding a lot of shame about, about that feeling of wanting to have drinks until someone said it. I was like, Oh damn. Yeah. That was probably, (laughs) that probably wasn't amazing. But yeah, I don't know. The the you said something before that I wanted to bring up because I think what happens and what what I feel like the lesson that we're really I'm really in right now. I don't know if this speaks to you. Um and I think we should talk about the gift that we got, but we we were given a gift and it had a prayer of um St. Francis in it. St. Peter. St. Francis. St. Francis. Sorry. Wow. My sorry, I was thinking of my it looks very similar to a, a necklace that my dad has. It's got St. Peter on there, I think. I was just thinking about that. Sorry. It's okay. Um, anyways, yeah, so. it's it's speaking to 
and it really moved me because what it's saying is you you need to desire to be to be understanding instead of understood so or be listening instead of heard which is an interesting concept because basically what i've also understood about self-work is this is your experience of realizing and noticing, okay, I haven't been feeling heard. I haven't been feeling seen. I haven't been feeling understood. And so that's how you now start to see the world is I am. And the, this is also like probably trauma of mine, definitely of feeling misunderstood. I've, I've always felt misunderstood mostly by my family. Just like, don't feel like people get me and that's okay. I'm kind of working through that now, but it's more, if, if I believe that I'm misunderstood, then my focus is only on my misunderstanding. And what was happening in mine and Corey's arguments is, if I believe that I'm not being heard, then I can't even hear that someone else actually is hearing. And so like, what, what I'm having to really focus on in our relationship is, okay, I have, if I want to be heard, if I truly want to be heard, then I have to first understand how to listen. And so I think that's, again, it's like you get to be in sort of this like next phase. Okay, we've done the personal work. Personal work's there. Now I need to make this function in my relationship. And if, I'm, if I seek to understand my partner more than I seek to be understood and my partner does the same, then, then that is gonna, we, we both get to rise from that. But if we keep continuing to focus on, I'm not being understood, I'm not being seen, I'm not being heard, and we're both doing that, we're mirroring that to each other and we're watching what's happening. We're just fucking fighting about yelling, mm -hmm. you know? And, yeah. and so like that is, that next piece is, okay, I'm not feeling heard. Okay. I hear that I'm not feeling heard and I'm not feeling seen and I'm not feeling misunderstood. So I need a little nurturing there. And also what I'm doing hasn't been working. So I need to try a new approach. And that approach is I need to understand first. I need to listen first. I need to hear first and give my partner that, give my partner that space and that love and that, that, experience that I want because I have to also then trust that that mirror is going to work in that way as well. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am. That was beautiful. Thanks. I need to learn to trust my mirror. Mm. Definitely. Ooh, trust the mirror. That's an interesting. That's an interesting concept. It's a, it's not as interesting as you staring into a mirror for like four hours, the yeah. other night. You know. Okay, like, but like. I, I but you I see what that. I yeah I see what that is. Like I see okay, my, I see myself scrolling my phone and seeing all the photos of me, of me taking pictures of myself in a mirror. And now I know. 
a piece where that came from in the, at the time, but I still can't look at that and trust what I see. Mm. Right? And it's a big part of my self-confidence. You know, it's a, it's a big part of um, a lot of that. And using that, um, what do I want to say? Like, ah, yeah, just knowing that I haven't been trusting my mirror and then to see it play out in arguments, like I'm not trusting you to hear me. So I'm, I'm raising my, my volume and my projection, my body language is raising to try to be more flamboyant and bigger and boisterous to be seen or heard or felt more and more and more and more and more. Look at how big I need this. Look at how loud I need this. Instead of me having to trust that at this point my mirror is hearing, is seeing, is feeling which I know to be true in most cases, but why not this one, you know? And I think it's because I can't really stare into a mirror all that long because I'm real judgmental of me. Mm. And that really scares me. That, that piece, that, that ignition of that spark on that. Cause like I, what do you mean? The ignition uh, like of the spark? I, I felt the obsessiveness of like me, always going and trying just trying uh, like the gym stuff you know the body my body image um, that comes from a piece of like lack of confidence for me you know so build it knowing I need to build confidence through like trusting me I have to trust me and a great way to do that <laughs> is to see yourself and before I was just taking pictures out of vanity, probably, you know, look at my arms, look at my triceps, look at my, look at me, look at me, mm. you know, and I'm, af I'm afraid of that. And it, that piece is, I love our, I love, love, love the polarity that happens in our relationship because your experience of look at me, look at me, my experience of cover me up. Don't fucking acknowledge that I'm here. And my mm. body language would show that in the clothes that I wore and the weight that I was wearing. All of that was like, don't look at me. But in my head, like in my mind, the desire to be seen and heard and understood was there. So like I wasn't realizing that my, my body was reflecting the internal dialogue that I had. Mm -hmm. And okay. so like the fact that yours was you're taking photos because you, you believed your body to be nice, you know, and in that, in that vanity space of then now we, we both get to have that experience of like the complete opposite of that, you know, like yeah. I, Like for me, even even wearing a swimsuit now, I, I, I feel like I've, I'm sometimes more uncomfortable in a swimsuit now 
than I was even when I was, you know, whatever, 60 some pounds heavier. It's not whatever. How many pounds? Well, I don't know. I haven't had a scale. So the last time I, I how weighed much better at, do you feel though? Because like oh, this, yeah. this I'm I am proud. I am still just so proud. I so think the, so proud. I think the best part about it is like it, it hasn't been about weight loss at all. Right. At all. <laughs> right. And and it's been about everything else and like to watch it change in that way has like been truly incredible. Like fixing bad, just like fixing bad habits and trying to replace them and swap them for good ones. It's been so amazing. Well, and one of those habits was like truly eating. Like I had a belief that I couldn't eat. So what was happening is I wouldn't eat all day. I'd have coffee until whenever, would not eat breakfast, would skip lunch. And then by like three or four o'clock, I was fucking starving wouldn't eat still wait till dinner at seven overeat and then just like go to bed go to bed and then like have these it was just like horrible horrible habits that i was in and i i definitely believe for me a lot of it came from beliefs and stuff that happened when i was coaching with beachbody like the the patterns and the the things that i was told to do were just so ingrained in my head that then when I would try something new, like I went from using the containers and then I went to more keto and then I went to this and this and now all of these things. And now my, my body was like, what, what are we doing? What's happening? We'll just hold on to everything because this is not safe either. So it was like hoarding on, but really what I've learned in the van is I actually wasn't eating. Like I have had to ask Corey to like, keep me accountable to eating lunch. Because if I don't eat lunch, like I will not, I, I will not eat. And for me, I felt that came from high school. I knew a lot of women, a lot of girls that were older than me that were bulimic, were anorexic, were not eating. And that's, they were the ones that were beautiful and they were the cheerleaders and they were doing all these amazing things that at the time, that's what I thought I needed to do. And then my body clearly did the exact opposite of that because I started hoarding and holding on to food. And, and, and when I didn't want to feel seen out on the, the polarity of you, I would eat. I would let you talk and I would eat and I would just sit in my corner and have my big sweatshirt on and my sweater and a blanket and usually a pillow laying in front of my belly so that I could just be in my safe little corner over here of, you know, keeping myself occupied. So I love always how our polarity and in our relationship gets to, we both get to experience these very different things, but when they come together, they really do balance each other a lot. And they learn both of the perspectives and those perspectives have really changed. Being big and physical and loud and violent and aggressive and, soft and um, understanding um, all these all these weird like what I would say like ingrained qualities of like leadership you know playing hockey really young like I I grew up skating on ponds 
and, and I'm thinking of this being parked outside of like my childhood best friend on top of like a local legend when we were like when I was playing hockey growing up because like Kyle was skating <laughs> you mean right now <laughs> yeah 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 like we're at our friend's house yeah. in Oregon you know that like you played hockey with but so did all of his brothers yeah and his brothers played hockey you know like watching watching him skate you always want it like that's what I'm shooting for I'm I'm watching that like that family of brothers play hockey and being like okay like I can get out there and do that and I was a neighborhood kid too and right down the street from me I had an incredible hockey player uh Dominic Marino mm. he was wonderful you know, and this is like small town Wisconsin stuff, but like these guys were good. That was when they were still teamed up with Oregon and like they had good teams and these were well-coached guys. And they would go down to the ponds right behind my house and my parents would let me go down there. And sometimes they were there. My dad would work like the, the warming arena and but like I grew up on that ice understanding that like all right at seven the big kids show up and if you hang out and if you're tough enough to like brave the cold and not chicken out you get to stand on that ice with those big kids you get to be there too but you also have to earn it like you didn't get the puck passed to you unless you were grinding Unless you were there too, unless you could keep up, unless you were physical, unless you were willing to fight for it. And it was, it was admired by both sides because we all played together. We were all on the same team, but not out there. Out there, it was like a little fighting thing. It was this, this energy, but like really great leaders, I think, came from that. I would like to think I was one or was manifesting into being one. You know, I was, and again, this is me being like, see me. I feel it coming out, just explaining, like saying what I did. I feel suppressing accomplishments because of it. Hmm. Tell me more about that. Nobody likes a bragger. Act like you've won before. But I was, I would. I would score and I would make sure you knew I was the guy that did it every time you saw me. I used to, like, being able to shit talk on the ice to, to boys, you know, and I was a boy. But being able to, like, run your mouth and get inside somebody's head. I know what their girlfriends look like. I can point them out. They're the girls that brought signs. You never needed, you didn't need to know anything important. You could just call out their girlfriend to their ear and they'd lose their mind. It was an advantage. But, like, you found ways to do that. You found ways to win. But also, like, it was wild. Because out when you were playing competitively, like, that's a bunch of savages. Did really nasty stuff. Like, we were walking on knives and carrying weapons. 
you know, and a lot of guys have scars and bruises and concussions and brain damage to show. But out on that pond, like, there was real reverence for people around you and this understanding of, like, I can learn here, I can learn in this space, and I can grow in this space. And at a certain point, 18, when most people stop playing sports or being a part of a community or probably giving a damn about anybody other than themselves, like myself included, you miss that piece and it goes away. And it shows up in the idea of, you'll never get these days back and it'll never get better than you're 18. Well, bullshit. I didn't see the world at 18. Some do, but I didn't. I didn't peak at 18. You know, I'm still out here trying to figure it out. But I can, I can see that piece of suppressed confidence now because as an adult, I don't want to be the loud, like, I don't want to be the loud dude. You don't want to be the guy that... I, don't, I can't use the same practices on the ice to win as you do in the real world. Mm. So what can you, know? you take? I don't actually think that I meant that. <laughs> I don't. Because it's actually how you get very successful. Conor McGregor built an entire career on it. Get good at something and then be the loudest person there. Same thing with Mayweather. Like, look at Jake Paul and all these fighters. Like, they make their money by demeaning people publicly. And then fighting. But then, like, we're, we think it's real, but in, everyone knows, like, it's a show. It's n it, The only difference between that and, like, fake wrestling is real physical punishment. You know? But, like, as far as the show to lead up, everyone's playing for their money. And it does probably get personal, and those guys really do want to hurt each other. But that's part of it. I don't know. I think I'm just speaking on like, I feel a lack of confidence because of the lack of control over self, right? Mm -hmm. Like even in our arguments, I'm, I'm, my arms get bigger. My voice gets deeper and louder. And I, I build that presence of like, again, see me and hear me because I only know how to be loud and big to do it. That shows like a fault in skill to me. And realizing it sucks. But amazing. Like amazing. Yeah. And especially to say it out loud. <laughs> to know you're being recorded. and Because then it puts it out there. Well, and I think, I think the authenticity, mm. the amount of arguments that we have had trying to record videos like this this experience of making this podcast has been a process for both of us to have to learn how to operate together um there are there's been arguments that happen that you know we're trying to end right before the the episode like before we start recording <laughs> yeah, there's been some that we've like you know gotten 10 minutes in and then been like this fucking sucks like what are we doing like no one wants to hear this because we can hear that we're arguing in the podcast. But 
if we don't share that, then what happens is then all of a sudden we're feeling inauthentic. Yeah. And we're like, well, we're not keeping it real. And, and we have to keep it real because we don't always get it right. Like we, the, the, we are the hardest people for each other. Right. And like, we get to see each other's worst and best, but also a lot of, a lot of the worst. And yeah. we've seen a lot of the worst over 16 years of relationship, which. Oh, but so those, much best though too. Right. But those things are were still very much present and i think we've recently i feel we're we've really sort of like taken this like next step forward of okay all of that stuff like needs to live in the past because we have we have enough proof positive that the other person has changed and enough proof positive that we have changed like the individual has changed and so because of that we've been able to be like all right those things unless they're incredibly relevant and it's like it needs to still be addressed then then that can happen but are are we just now is the pattern for us just to dig into the past which i think for a while because it it's was comfort comfort no. but also there was a lot there was a lot there there yeah. was a lot there that for a long time we neither of us wanted to address or look at yeah, or okay. acknowledge um and so I think this like next step forward, like if if something from the past is sort of brought up, that conversation changes now. It's like, why is that relevant? Is it relevant? Or are we just bringing it up? And it has to be acknowledged that way. Yeah. And if you're bringing it up, where is that coming where from? Where is that coming from? And yeah. And why? What was that? Yeah. What was that? Like, hey. Why are you bringing something up from 10 years ago? that we have discussed and i yeah. think that's the thing is like we've gone over we've this. gone through we've a lot of stuff this, yeah. it's just the the depth that we had been willing to go and there were a lot of conversations really hard conversations that didn't get their depth and so they've been repeated and repeated because they haven't we hadn't fully gotten to the root of what was what had happened yeah. and what was the feeling and the emotion and then we're like blindly running with that yeah re yeah. Yeah, the recycling of it is is sometimes a little tricky because it's also knowing like okay, if we're doing, if we're still arguing about this, we definitely still have feelings about it. We definitely still have emotions about it or we have something to say about it that we didn't say before. Yeah. And now we might have a new piece of confidence in us and to we find it. something Unfortunately, you find like, you know what, I'm still, I'm still triggered by that and what I'm going to lash out now. <laughs> and unfortunately you get to be that pin cushion for a second, but we will talk about why I had that reaction and knowing that I have that in a partner and really trusting in you to know that if I have a reaction to something, it's for sure a trigger that isn't like the direct thing. On in a lot of things, on a lot of cases, like you allow this space for me to like have that tiff, that that snap, that reaction, and then be like, okay, where did that come from? Now, like I I see I okay I see where this applied into this situation. Okay, 
but we talked about this. Where, why are you reacting like that now? What else is going on? Yeah. And what else do you yeah, need to say? What else right, needs in, to be addressed? Instead of like pouring gas to it. Rightfully so. But sometimes you do pour gas to it. And sometimes I pour gas on you. You know. I. Well, and I think that relationships also again it goes back to this mirror thing like it it's it's meant to be a mirror it's yeah. it's intention is to be a mirror like i i you are my greatest teacher because i have to learn my own reactions through you right like how are how am i reacting to you how are you reacting and also how that am i how can i calm a situation how can I not raise my voice not escalate and that has been my biggest thing like I am I am the escalator for sure like I escalate everything I'm I feel like I just would have this rage just like build up in my body I am the fire starter like it, <laughs> the but, prodigy soundtrack but it was yeah. so real like it was just such an like so angry at you and I believe now that a lot of that anger came from, you know, my not feeling seen, heard, understood, all that. But probably more than that, and I bet you, you, we could probably both relate to this, is it's the fact that we allowed the other person to treat us that way for this long. And then also it's like self-deprecating, like... I thought that low of myself that I let someone treat me this way yeah. for this long. And I'm still sleeping next to them. Yeah. And, I, our, you know, ours has just been so yeah. long and, like, drawn out in a lot of different ways in life mm -hmm. and experiences that, of course, everything was so, like, intertwined. But the – the it's, it's that – again, it goes back to self – so your relationships can mirror that your relationship. You get to then decide, okay, like, am I, is it this person that I'm ready to like spend my life with? Like truly again, like, are we going to do this or are we not? And we've had this conversation many, many times. And again, I think there was this fear from a young age for me of, I always thought you were just going to walk away. I, I, I believed that you would. So I treated you like you would. I treated you that, you know, I was horrible and said horrible things and was mean and aggressive because I would, it's that self-fulfilling prophecy of, of course you'd leave. Of course you'd do that. I always said you would. Yeah. So I think that is like what's underneath it is was a fear of were you actually serious did you actually love me and vice versa like I know you feel the same we've had this conversation and then also the self-worth of I am no longer tolerating you speaking to me that way and also then I need to learn to stop speaking to you that way and that's been that's really like the ego <laughs> of oh, damn this whole time I've been wanting to blame you and be the victim 
but really I've been kind of a dickhead and that's been my lesson is I have really, I said something to someone in LA. They asked us, um, I don't know, something about our relationship. And I said, well, I just recently found out. It turns out I was the dickhead the whole time. (laughs) And he was like, what do you mean? I'm like, I, that's how I feel. I have blamed Corey for everything, everything in my life because how I remember myself pre-Corey and post-Corey, like, I really struggled with that. And I allowed what I thought was your influence to become who I thought I was. And then all of a sudden I was like, I'm actually not these things that I thought I was because of him. And I think there was one moment that you said to me, like, um, oh, my gosh, I just totally blanked on what I was going to say. There was this thing that I said to you. you said something. It it was your bad guy stuff. Mm -hmm. This is, like, really powerful. And this changed a lot for us. And this was back when we were still in Wisconsin, right before we left, actually, right before we left for Key West. Corey and I were in the hot tub and arguing about something. I don't even remember what came up, but tears were happening. And you had said to me, like, I am not a bad guy. And you have let me believe that I've been a bad guy since this age. And all of the people in your life thought I was a bad guy. So that was the story. And you said, I'm not a bad guy. I'm a really good guy. And you're like, I'm not the rebel. I'm not these things. So this whole time, I thought I was being rebellious because you came into my life. Because you were my rebellious choice is what I, what I thought. So that was the reality I was living. Mm-hmm. But then to be like totally mm-hmm. brought back to earth from your perspective was that you weren't a bad guy at all. And that you weren't a rebel and that I was the one that wanted to do all these crazy things that you, that you would do. And with me. Yeah. My, my signs of rebellion were like having a cigarette and some beers with friends at a young age, but like, which isn't appropriate now, but like, I see that it happens and I see how small town life creates that. And I see how families create that as a okay practice. And in some ways it is. It's a sense of like rearing in a community, a very European way of sharing wine at a dinner table, but it's gone too far with beer pong. <laughs> you know, like the game, the sport of drinking had taken it to where like kids want to get good at it young because they can make money playing bags and you learn in your backyard drinking beer with your friends. So, but I having those cigarettes and those beers, but never letting you miss curfew, always getting you home on time. And it was always like, I'm not going to disrespect your parents that way. And no, you will not lie to stay out later because they told you a bedtime. We respect that because those are the rules. Like I respected my parents. I was absent and I was like a shithead and a shit talker a lot of times. But there's a lot of things that happened in my high school years that really kind of like fried my understanding of support.
But damn, I was not a bad kid. And I carried that. You know, I carried that, and I carried that chip. And sometimes that chip on your shoulder is good, but for me, it... It, it definitely... Uh, definitely left its marks, you know? But like saying out loud, like, I'm not a bad guy. And then going and saying how I wasn't, and like saying, like my own personal history, my personal timeline of, of events, of things where I proved to myself I was not a bad person. And it came in dozens. It came in dozens. People leaned on me for so much. Businesses making a lot of money at a very young age. Like, that's... And I didn't let myself see it or feel it because I was still just like staring at that chip. Please see that I'm not a bad guy. I can't see it for me. So someone else better see it for me, please. It's too hard for me to understand it and see it. So someone else just needs to repeatedly tell me. And that's freaking ridiculous. Like it's ridiculous. And I put that on you and I put that on people around me. And then I just led into believing the bad guy thing, you know? But, but dealing with those like pieces now is is still hard because like I feel where I have confidence issues in myself because of it. Yeah. And like un unlearning the some unlearnings and unlearning some learnings. And, well, and again, it goes back with the polarity because yeah. in that moment. You had that experience of lack of confidence, but for me, when we had this conversation and you explained to me that you weren't a bad guy, it changed my entire perception of myself because now I was taking ownership of that rebellion myself instead of blaming it on you and now asking myself what the rebellion was about. And we talked about this in, um, with a good friend of ours in Venice on the beach. And we were sitting, I think I was wearing like probably this exact same outfit, like super humble and casual, just like very quiet. And I felt, she asked about the tattoos and it was like really, I, I love my tattoos because they are a representation of that rebellion. I have the one on me, my arm because I was friends with people that had tattoos all over themselves and they just were so confident and beautiful in it. But I didn't get the tattoo for a long time because they had it, which is ridiculous. And so the one on my arm was because I wanted one on my arm and I was going to do what I, what I wanted to do besides believing that only this person could have this sleeve the way that sleeve was, you know? So these things that I was blaming on Corey my whole life, I had tattoos because Corey had tattoos and that he was the rebel and he was this, he was this like macho man. And, and again, this is how people introduced me to Corey. The first person that ever introduced me to Corey told me, 
do not date him. He is not a good guy. And then it was on repeat and on repeat from fucking people. Who gives a shit about them, right? I, and I didn't care then because I didn't listen to them then. So it's like this weird dichotomy but of... Did, I, but it did influence it, the perception. 100%. It influenced the perception. But also the whole time, I also knew you weren't a bad guy. And I learned that you weren't a bad guy. And I saw that you weren't from the beginning. But now after after this came up, it reinvigorated my own self-confidence in, in my own decision-making of, okay, I thought I had this tattoo because of Corey, but I really had it because of me. And what I've now also feel like I've stepped into is like, I don't, like, I I want more tattoos, but there's also a really big part of me that's like, it's it's not who I am. Like at my core, it's not who I am. I'm much softer and quieter than that. But like I I find the like excitement in the rebellion now that it's my rebellion. But when I thought it was your rebellion, I fucking loathed it and I loathed you because of it. So it's so that you didn't get the confidence from that. Unfortunately, you got the shorter end of that stick. <laughs> I did. And now what I feel is then my role is to help you then build that confidence that I destroyed together. We have to do it together. Yeah. But I have to acknowledge that the part of which I played and the belief that I held on to and how that impacted the way I interacted with you and my behaviors and the way I communicated about you to myself and anyone and everybody. So again, like there's so much polarity and when you have polarity, you get to learn. So it's not always been pretty for us. It's been really ugly really really ugly and if you've known us from our younger days you definitely know that so it's cool to like be here in Oregon with our buddy from high school who has seen us at our fucking worst at Country Fest at plenty of things Yeah. to feel like a completely new person to still feel accepted as that new person and also feel like we get to kind of accept him as a new person too because we, we know how to meet strangers. Yeah. And we just kind of assume that whoever I'm meeting right now gets to start where they are. And yes, there are, in, I'd say, entanglements because of how we grew up. But knowing that I am, I am different week to week, day to day, minute to minute, kind of allow another person to do the same. And you get to learn from where they're at now, and you know, it's it's something. And you know, I don't know how far deep how deep are we in on this. One ten. One ten. People are still here. <laughs> that I want to like cycle this right into what our topic was going to be for the hold day. Hold on, I want to hold on. 
to button it up. Mm, did I leave some? Was something a little unbuttoned? I want to button it up for you. Oh, okay. And just, I think, in general, the stories and these beliefs and these patterns, the, these things that we have and hold on to, just because we believe them as truth doesn't mean that they are truth, right? And I think this lie that you believed about being a bad guy and the lie that I believed about you being a bad guy was a lie also with purpose, right? Like we've got to learn so much about ourselves and each other through yeah. that experience. And now we also have to like choose something different, different. because otherwise you, you stay caught in these loops, right? And, and if we no longer believe that you're a bad guy and now, and that's what we don't want and we do want to believe that you're a good guy, and then we start acting from that place of you being a good guy, both of us, instead of acting from this place of I'm right. a bad guy and people see me as a bad guy or I have this chip on my shoulder. Right, right, right. So it's like you have to see that mess. And it's like, ask, right, it's going through the process. What was that? Like, what happened that is causing this reaction? That was this. Where did it is come it from? Mine? And is it mine? Yeah. This is a big one I get to send back. And I remember when we had this moment in the desert, you know, being able to send, like, send this one back. What I'm feeling is for sure mine, but the story that I've repeated to tell was a story that, you know, wasn't, I don't want to be true, and I don't think it's true, and I don't believe it to be true, and I actually don't believe that people around me believe it to be true. But I still, like, hold on to that every now and then. And it, and it definitely, you know, I'm just, that was a really crummy time for that. Sorry. Um, yeah, having to choose, choose differently is, is a hard, is a hard Thing to do because like it hits you all the time you know it's one of those decisions it's a practice you know these things are practice and they constantly come up these it doesn't go away like these things are still there and and they'll sting you every now and then but you can like remember like oh man i did talk about this i did feel this already where is this this is you know you have those little grounded reminders of like, this is not true <laughs> You told yourself this so long and nobody around you ever believed it, but you held yourself back because you believed it. The only person in your story that believed it was you. And you put your beliefs on everyone else because you didn't want to address them. And the reason I'm using you is because that's how I'm speaking to me as the observer of me in those memories. Like very, very, you did this kid. <laughs> Yeah. And these conversations, especially conversations about us and home, like we have these a bit, but recently I think we've been like caught up in 
not going back that far. And I think feeling a lost sense of rootedness, and this is getting onto our topic kind of for today, that lost sense of rootedness triggers these memories like my dad's St. Peter necklace and not the St. Francis. That I know it's St. Francis. I read that every day. You know, but I saw the St. Peter gold bar, you know, and I saw my dad's necklace. And then to think of like hockey memories and then to be back around, you know, a childhood friend that was a part of all of that. You know, this is the person that like helped wake me up to me. You know, he, he told me, this was a while ago, he was still in college, still in Madison. I was working all the time and I felt so left out of everything. I didn't, you know, I had, he was like a really, really consistent friend and I had like three and some people were like, wow, you had three really, really consistent friends. You should be so blessed. God, I just didn't see it then. But I was like upset because I wasn't able to be a part of like this other group. Like I didn't go to college, so I felt I wasn't good enough to even be there. You know, so I instantly made myself an outsider because we were in different worlds. And I was also dating you and you were gone. And like there was girls everywhere and I didn't want to be around that. Because testosterone is dangerous. You make stupid decisions and like I loved you more than that. You know? I wasn't willing to like mess that up again or do it like, why would I want to hurt feelings like that? Like, at least I'd be honest. I'd be a real man about it and be like, all right, Hey, this isn't working anymore. But anyway, the point being is like, I had this conversation with him one evening and one evening we're sitting on his college house couch that had been like broken and it's a kegerator in the room. Yeah, right? it was, yeah, it was a trip. But I don't, I just remember him saying like, we stopped inviting you because you'd never show up. Mm. Like you're always too busy, man. And that's not our fault. You're always working. So figure it out. And I was like, oh, <laughs> at the time I was like, damn, dude. You cold. Well, I didn't know what to feel because, I, but I didn't realize that I was working all the time. Right. You know, I, I've said this um, so much, like it exhausts me. I didn't have holidays. I was committed to what I did. Like, there are no half steppers around me. Ever. And I try not to allow myself to do it in situations where people rely on me because I feel like an integral part when people are reliant but unfortunately that idea led to be feeling also like abused because it's, I didn't know what personal value was I didn't know what my I didn't know what my value was and I couldn't set proper boundaries and like I married work for a false sense of security through the money that it provided. And I like, I think I did that young and it was just easier not to be around all the things that like caused pain, which at the time was family and you and 
my goodness, where, why did I double back on this again? Oh, talking about rootedness and like this lost sense of it. Being back around, oh, my buddy. He tells me this and it like shook me. It really, it really shook me because how could I expect someone to even like want to continue to reach out when I never showed up anyway? So on the other end of that phone, on the other end of that text message was, uh, nah, I can't plowing snow. Nah, I can't. Got to work in the morning. Got to be up early. And even in the summer, he'd be like, dude, go to work tired. That's what the conversation was. Work is tomorrow. Like, you're here now. Yeah. You need to live. You know, going home from the fireworks early to beat the traffic because you don't want to deal with the traffic so you miss the grand finale. Why the fuck were you there in the first place? Yeah. And that's a lot of people because the traffic gets busier and busier and busier every year. Don't show up to the sunset and ruin the sunset for everyone else. You know, especially the ones that are watching it. You know, that, that idea of like, you can see Americans watching sunsets because they're going to make comments about the sunset while the sunset is going down. Shut up and watch the sunset. And I'm super guilty of it. I'm like, oh, look at it. It's so beautiful. Because I try to celebrate it. But like that, that going home from the fireworks early. Lay down, honey. Lay down, pup. Lay down, love. Yeah. I would leave things early because of work, which was responsible. But I was 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. Like, I didn't have a life. I didn't know how to dress myself. Because I was always in uniforms, like other things that we've talked about. You know, and these are all things that have formed my idea of rootedness and what rootedness provides me and it's pain. It is like settling down. That's like giving in to the same thing that like I've completely been like, I will not be treated that way again. I will not go to work like that every day to be treated like that. Why would I miss my family and my wife and my, my friends for whose dollar? that's a hard balance because I also love my hometown and I miss it so much. And I know I miss it because these memories keep coming up of the reverence I have for it and wanting to build community there for it because man, I love my hometown. It's a pretty special place. And I think We've traveled the country. You said yesterday, we want, by the time, when we will go back to Wisconsin, whenever that is, we will have hit every state west of the Mississippi. That's pretty amazing. That's super cool to say it that way. But in all of those places, they have beautiful views and beautiful parks and all these things, but they don't have family. They just don't have family. And I think for us, it's been like this, like, how can you, like, how can we have both, right? Like, we want to be able to have this, this rootedness and this groundedness that does come from having your own space. But because of that, 
we also haven't rooted in our vehicle and in our van. I definitely feel more rooted in the van. But Corey also wants to try to sell our van to anybody that's willing to buy it, which I get, right? Because we are in a financially, we that would be a thing. But if we don't have the van, then what, right? Like, then what do we root in? Then what do we ground in? And I think because it's we don't... It's hard because I've seen the flavors of how this is done without the van. <laughs> so yeah. I have these ideas of grandeur sometimes, but... Yeah, I, but I the idea is like still having to be able to ground into this space. And I think yeah. we we go to these places and we experience life with people. You know, we're at our buddy's house now who lives in an amazing place. We got to go in a homemade sauna last night. It was incredible. With a clawfoot porcelain cold plunge tub <sighs> right outside of it. It was amazing. Oh. So stuff like that is like, we know if we had a spot, we would have that on our spot. So wanting that makes us want to be able to have that. And if you don't have, like for us, we don't, because we're traveling, the traveling feels like the reason why we can't have it. But also like everything that we're that everything that we're doing is because we desired to be able to travel and like be able to experience not just this country. Just a few months out of the year is all I ask. I know. And <laughs> I know. And I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah. And I think when we got on the road, we either, well, at first we thought we were moving to Oregon. Like that was the plan. We were moving here for this job. And because it, that's what rational people do is they just like make decisions overnight. <laughs> But, you know, like we, we trigger pulled and it was exciting and it is exciting, but like, that's what we thought we were going to make happen because like, why not full send? Yeah, for sure. No. But then now that we've gotten here and we've been everywhere else, is it beautiful here? Yeah. Oh my gosh. The most beautiful blue water and green trees and everything that what, like what I think we thought we would have wanted. But then to still be this far away from home yeah. is like, you know, we're home, we're, we're yeah, gone life, long. Life is great there too. It is. It is. And I, that is, someone asked us the other day, what's been the most shocking thing that I've learned on the road? And that was what I said, is that I would have never guessed that traveling would bring me back home. And that, especially because we lived for six years away from home, I was in college before that. And, you know, and I think life just becomes a lot more precious. You know, we've been able to see life in a really precious way and, and still be homesick in the most beautiful places, you know, and like actually acknowledging that we're homesick and that our family is important and it's a value and a pillar of our life that like we weren't really standing on before because I think there was a lot of pain and trauma wrapped into that. So like getting to experience that and being shocked to find out that family was the one thing that travel can't bring you. It's a, it's an interesting dichotomy and we're just kind of getting to experience it. Yeah. But then like our buddy last night makes us brats and corn on the cob. And we had this beautiful, amazing dinner. And of course we're talking about 
things from high school and memories. And so that does give you that sense for a bit. It does. And when we were in Oklahoma, someone welcome, welcoming us into their home felt like being home. It wasn't quite home. It's not quite the same, but it was so beautiful and so loving that it, it, the feeling is there. Yeah. And we get to continue to have that feeling, but it does, the, the lack of roots that we're having has very much been present and apparent for us. Yeah. And I, and I think that's okay. Like, I think there was this stubborn piece of us that was inevitable too. Yeah. You know, and it's inevitable because at a certain point you realize that everywhere you go, things are the same. People use their parks. They use their dog. Every, they walk every, their dogs. Everywhere you go, they... it's the same. It just comes in a different package, different smell. Yeah. It's a, yeah, cultures are different and the surroundings are different, but like the, at a local level. Everybody's the same. And I've seen the same faces across this country. Yeah. I've been reminded of people by people, other strangers continually. And I think that's bound to happen because we're, we interact with people that way. Yeah. But I remember when I was in college that happened when I got to college, all the people that I knew from high school reminded me of people I now had or would see walking on campus and I called my mom and was just like all these people just remind me of everyone I was so home I'm such a baby <laughs> but everyone just reminded me of home and you know she just reminded me that you know everyone is everything about my life had changed and everything about it had changed but I, I would adapt and I would adjust and I remember by the time I went home for Thanksgiving that year, we went to the, you know, the local everyone reunion, the reunion, and the people from our hometown started to remind me of the people from college instead. Mm -hmm. And I, I just remember that shift. And now as we've traveled, a lot of the people that we have met remind us of people from home, but then now also the people from travel. So you see how you're your life kind of adapts and changes yeah. with your environments and like subconsciously, like what, what are you like, what do you need? I need community. Mm. Like to, to re, to reroute me. I need a, like a, a, a shared idea in that community that like community is first. Hmm. I think it's attainable. Like it's 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 obviously super tricky. But like this idea of conscious co-living, you know, living alongside of people, like that's what the van is really really taught me that I love about people. <laughs> and being in the desert was incredible because like boundaries went away. There was no like ownership of things. If you left it outside of your van, someone was sitting in it. And if not, put it up. I just thought that chair was for everybody. That wouldn't mean the chairs would up and like walk away and move. 
people wouldn't take them and steal them. But like if they were out, it was community. Yeah. And like the barrier to your home and your space was three millimeter steel. People and would people stand just like walk and in talk, and just they... like walk in. Yeah. Doors open. I'm laid back reading or we're having a conversation and with the door open because we're in the desert and it's warm and people just like walk in. For a second, that like took a bit to be like, yo, boundaries, please. Which is totally understandable. I wasn't setting them in the proper way. And the community messaging wasn't really about that at the time. But then we did. We're like, hey, like, if you see this door kind of like this, or like, here's a signal that like, hey, please don't interrupt. Because we're still doing life life. Like, yeah. we're not just like out here lounging in Lake Havasu. And that also got understood. But like, we were still living very much alongside of people. There was like routines. We would all get up in the morning, we would have coffee, we'd sit and chat for an hour or two, then we'd separate and go, people would go do what they were going to do. But we made sure to come back together for dinner. We made a meal always together, crowded table style. And if you've never felt it with a bunch of just, just feral people, like it's that farm table style at restaurants that, here's your meal, like this is what we're having, this is what we have here tonight. If you don't like it, okay, there we're, we'll try our best to have options for everybody, but like you're adults, so if you don't like what the community is eating, go feed yourself. Right. And it was understood. And if someone didn't have any, they weren't afraid to like be like, hey, does anybody have this maybe? And like, would you be offer? Would you be able to offer it? And people would. People would feed people. And take like figure out food allergies in a nice way instead of like I can't eat that because I'm blah blah. Oh, well, you didn't make it for the community. You know the non meat eaters. Some of them became meat eaters again, and I think it helped when I had shown like, well, is it about the community? Is it about the sustenance for your life, or is it about your moral obligation to what you're consuming? Because you don't have food here. You didn't bring food to the desert, so the community is feeding you. We're not having a vegan meal tonight. Do you want to eat tonight or not? And if not, that's totally fine, but go hungry. No. Go hungry, and then tomorrow maybe we'll have a vegan meal or someone will offer that up because people are just offering food. And if you, you got the choice to be provided for or not. It was like Jesus saying, like, I sent, you know, I sent you a helicopter. I sent you a boat. Like, how many things do you want me to send you to save you before you take an option and do something about it for yourself? Because I can only help so much. You know, there's these really cool things that were happening, and I, I want to try to find a way to build that around in my, like, local community. Because I love where I grew up, and it's just not there yet. And I think a lot of it comes down to, like, this, this idea of property, it's hard because I believe in property too. You know, I don't like being stolen from. You know, like down on the PCH. I don't like being stolen from. Yeah. Well, and it the vulnerability that also comes with that. You right. know, when you realize yes. you're in a small space like this, 
you took that from underneath my van. That's how close you were yeah. to me, to Inches. my space, to my safety while we, yeah. while we were in the vehicle. It, but if you would have knocked and said, hey, is this yours? I really, really need it. It would have been yours. Yeah. Ask and receive. But if you take, everything will be taken. Mm. Wow. You know, like, and bringing that idea into like, Man, conscious co-live, like, I love it. I don't need much to live anymore. I need a bed space and, like, a little bit of creature comforts. But to have an outbuilding, an outdoor shower, an outdoor bathroom, not a big deal for me anymore. Other things are creature comforts. Would I like to have, like, a big inside bathroom? Sure, but I could make a beautiful one outdoors, too. And then, you know, or not. <laughs> or not. But knowing how these single-family lots are changing across the country to provide for low income and seeing how people are going to be living a little bit closer to each other, even in smaller towns, you know, they offer up a lot of really amazing options for people to not just live with neighbors, but to live alongside of people with a shared thing in life. Yeah, I don't know. Makes me want to root somewhere and try. <laughs> but only for six months. Because Not I think because I think you need to be rounded. Like you need to see what is going on in these states. Yeah, I think the benefit I, I think there's I, I think we need both. You know, I definitely believe that we need I don't think everyone will travel and live the way that we're living. Like that's not the, not the way I see it. But what I do think is travel lifestyle will just become more of the norm. You know, people will have rigs like this to take for a month at a time, two weeks at a time, a weekend at a time. And that's just now a part of the, who we are as a society. And I think the last year, definitely with COVID and people, just started enjoying getting outside more and being in these spaces and buying bikes and buying kayaks and like actually enjoying that process of connecting back with nature and it, the power that comes with that. It tickles me so much. And I, it's so weird to say tickle for this, but it like, it makes me so happy that our, the United States level of consumerism just went to like outdoor equipment and sporting goods and like stuff to con again connect you back with outside because everyone's like I am tired of being inside I can't believe I listened to a TV screen tell me to stay inside I'm gonna go back outside now and those people went outside and bought things that now give them free enjoyment free love free connectivity Bend Oregon the, the river it's, it was a free thing that brought people out in droves on tubes to float a small section, but it was free. You know, people were always outside and not, it was free stuff. They enjoyed free. That's why their houses were amazing. Every house was immaculate. Every place had a garden. It was beautiful, but they enjoyed they were fulfilled by the freeness of what was outside, so they spent everything else on their toys to enjoy that. Like, it was incredible. 
And I think a lot of places are feeling that pull. And like they have these newfound sense of things and toys that get them outside fishing poles for the first time, maybe a new boat. And now you want to spend more time doing the things that make you happy than doing more times of the things that you now know make you miserable. And you're people are doubling down on that. And travel is going to be a part of it for sure because it's going to allow them more time. And the more they walk their town trails or kayak their, their lakes, the more time they're going to spend outside and possibly push out into their next county, which is a huge win for a lot. You know, just getting out of the county. Uh, and then that possibly will lead to like looking outside of the state and being okay with going places for the first times for a lot of people. You know, so like the stuff is really great. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think the nature, I think people getting connected back to nature, rooting in nature, rooting in these activities that are outside and self, like in the desires of self, you know, I think it's following those desires and, and those desires are simple a lot of the times, right? Like if it's getting back in nature, but like that's at the the core of it is getting back in nature, but you're doing that through a kayak or you're doing it through a paddleboard or you're doing it through a boat or whatever that, that thing is. Um, it's still getting you out in nature. You know, it's still allowing you that fresh air, that time to unwind and connect inward or connect with, with nature, with the water, with the, whatever it is. And, or the community of and people the, you're doing it with. Exactly. And, and that is what gives you the roots, you know, like we get to have it in community with a lot of travelers and it's amazing when it happens, but I've really been feeling like the sadness of watching where all these other travelers are and like being like, I wish we were with them. I wish they were here. I wish we were able to travel with them more. But like, then you just realize like, that's also part of this lifestyle is like, you have a lot of people that you meet and it's amazing, but you also have to let them go and have their own experience without you. Mm. And that's hard sometimes, you know, especially if you get connected with them and, you know, people social change. Social will do that and, too. Like yeah. social media definitely will do that too. Yeah. And social media is also a gift and a tool in that it does help yeah. us to stay connected, but also staying connected and then realizing, oh, dang, I might never actually see them again. It's so fun to live with them in this place, but I might never see them again. And that makes me a little sad. So <laughs> Willie is getting really anxious and she just drool. dropped a big ass <laughs> drool right on the computer. So that seems like probably Dude. the right time to go. Wow, so, y'all. Thank you so much for hanging on to this. I know, like, like absolutely amazing, though. Yeah. Wow. Today felt really good. Heck, yeah. So, we'll see you later. Heck, yeah. Bye, y'all. Hey, y'all. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Us First That podcast. If you want to support our work and future endeavors, head over to www.patreon.com slash us first that. We'll see y'all next time.